my heart was saddened this week for a moment when I heard that Dr. Billy Graham had passed away. But at the same time, my heart was gladdened when I knew without a shadow of a doubt that when he took that last breath, he opened his eyes on the other side in the midst, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all have any idea what that's like? You know, I, I don't know how we could understand what that even comes, you know, we're, we're, we don't, our peanut brain can't fathom being in the presence of Christ, literally, like Dr. Graham is now. I thank God for Dr. Graham. Um, I don't know what he did to influence your life. Uh, most of the younger generation today don't even know the name Dr. Billy Graham. Uh, I grew up listening to him. Never been in his presence in the sense that I shook his hand or, you know, talked to him. I think the closest I ever got to him was about here the other building. But I have been in the same venue with him twice. And there was just this air of righteousness and holiness that surrounded any event where he ever was. I watched him on TV and I saw the, the hundreds and thousands of people that profess faith in Christ as a result of Billy Graham. And, and I'm here to tell you, I'm one of them. Uh, I would not be where I am today if it were not for Billy Graham. His ministry, you know, he didn't save me, but he was a man that heard the call of God and did what God put on his heart to do. And he did it with integrity, all of his ministry. And, and we're very blessed. And I, I've said for a number of years, I dread the day for America when Dr. Billy Graham is no longer present in our country. Why is that so? I, I, I believe that God has spared America of a lot of things because not that we're a godly nation or, 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 or a, a, a Christian nation, but because there are godly people living in this nation. And I think you start taking those out. Just like taking the, the Bible and prayer out of the school, what do you get? We, we've seen the evidence of that. Start taking godly men and, and godly um, in environments like churches out of this country. And, and who knows where, where it will go. It will go backwards, I can assure you. What I said after Dr., I heard that Dr. Graham had died was, Somebody's got to stand in his shoes. Somebody's got to fill the gap. Somebody's got to continue on the legacy. And thank God there are many in Dr. Graham's family that are doing that. But we need it, we need it bigger and broader than that. Churches have got to come back and they've got to be strong. My message today to you is probably going to be something that you've never thought about or heard about. And I'm here to tell you, if we don't get this, we have huge problems. So I want you to put your seatbelt on. I want you to listen, not just with your ears, but with your heart. Because I promise you, I'm going to share some things with you today that will revolutionize your Christian faith. But if you come in here and you sit and you don't listen and respond, you're going to go out, not even as you came, 
but less than you came. So let's look into God's word about covenant benefits. We're going to talk a lot about the covenant today. I want to begin with some words that John wrote in the book of Revelation. He says, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the commander of all the rulers of the world. All praise to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us his kingdom and his priests who served before God his Father, give him everlasting glory. He rules forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Well, you know, who is this Jesus that John speaks of? A couple thoughts. First and foremost, Jesus was a prophet who was the word made flesh. He was that faithful witness that John speaks about. Jesus said of himself on an occasion when the people of his hometown were rejecting him. Matthew records it. It says, and they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And then Jesus told them that a prophet is not honored everywhere, or a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. So Jesus referred to himself as a prophet, not directly, but indirectly. There's another occasion in Matthew 21 where it says that the, uh, the religious leaders there in Jerusalem wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid because they, uh, they were afraid of the crowd because the crowd considered Jesus to be a prophet. And then Mark's gospel talks about that last little bit of time that Jesus was alive on earth. It says then some of them, and we're talking about these um, these. Uh, religious soldiers, the temple guards, they began to spit at him and, and they blindfolded him and they hit him in uh, the face, in his face with their fists. And they said, who hit you that time, you prophet? And even the guards were hitting him as they led him away. Yes, Jesus was a prophet. He was the greatest prophet this world has ever seen, but he was more than a man and more than just a prophet. He was a divine prophet, the divine prophet of God. And boy, did he speak the word of God. Jesus was also our great high priest. He is our high priest. He uh, was the first to rise from the dead that did not die again. Think about that. Everybody else that had been resurrected prematurely died again, like Lazarus but not Jesus. So he is preeminent in his resurrection, preeminent. There's none like him. He's first. He's above all others. And after he conquered death in the grave, he entered into that true tabernacle in heaven. And to be even more specific, Jesus entered into the true holy of holies where he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat of God. Paul speaks about him in Romans chapter eight. And he says, who can say that God's people are guilty. No one. Why? Because Christ Jesus died and he was raised also uh, from the dead and is now on God's right side, begging God for us. That word begging in, in the Greek is a word that means he's interceding for us. 
Even today, Jesus intercedes from the throne of God for you and me. Do you understand that? We have a high priest that cares and understands in every situation that we go through. He's been there, done that, knows that, has the t-shirt. Hebrews chapter 7 says he is able always to save those who come to God through him because he always lives asking God to help them, to help us. Praise God that we've got somebody pleading our case before the throne of God. Somebody that cares, somebody that knows us. So he's a prophet, he's our priest. He is also our king. I said he was preeminent in his resurrection. Well, he's paramount in his rule as well. He's been given all power and authority over all things. All things. And, and again, John writes in Revelation 19, Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. And the one sitting on the horse was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and then goes to war. His eyes were bright like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him, and only he knew what it meant. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, not the blood of animals, but his own blood. And his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in pure white linen followed him on white horses. Folks, that's us. That, that's the saints that have already died in Christ and now reside with the Lord in heaven. He says from, from verse 15, from his mouth came a sharp sword and with it he struck down the nations. He ruled them with an iron rod and he trod the winepress of the fierce wrath of Almighty God. And on his robe and on his thigh were written the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So Jesus was and he is a prophet, a priest, and a king. And praise God, he's there for us. Amen? Well, what has Jesus done for you and what has he done for me? Well, the scripture teaches that he has displayed the unconditional love that flows from the very heart of God. Where did he do that? On the cross. On the cross. No greater expression of love than what Jesus did on the cross. He's washed us clean of all that sin stain that, that comes as a result of our, our rebellion against God. He has released us from the penalty of sin, which was death, which we all deserve. And he's given us new life. He's given us eternal life. And he grants to us, his followers, authority to reign with him. And that's, that's one of the pieces that we miss. We have spiritual authority in Jesus Christ. Praise God, we get to represent him here on earth. And he didn't just give us responsibility, he gave us authority to do that. And friends, listen, you can't earn that kind of favor. It comes from his grace and mercy. We are objects of his covenant love. Literally, he has made us trophies of his grace. He is our priest, he is our prophet, he is our king. But more than that, he wants to be our Lord. And sometimes that's where we put the brakes on. You know, most buildings like this building, <clears throat> from what I understand, there were like 36 different kinds of door treatments in this building for the 86 or 89 doors that we have. Most buildings like this have a master key 
And we have a master key that will open up any door in this building. But we also have some lesser keys. Lesser keys are not master keys. They only open up specific doors. Doors that they were designed to open. And if you have uh, one of those lesser keys, you can't go into just any room. You can only go into the room that that door, that key is designed to open that particular door. And uh, it's designed that way. Now, if you have one of the master keys, there's not a room in this building that you can't go in. You can go into any room. You can enter that room, you can unlock that door, and you can go in. And uh, it works because it's designed to work that way. Let's think for uh, spiritually speaking for just a minute, and you're going to have to really work with me to get this, but I believe that there are a lot of people in our church that are not getting everywhere they need to go because you don't have a master key. You have a lesser key. And that's by choice. You have keys that are going to get you into certain rooms. That means you can come to church. You can walk through the front door. You can get where most people go. You can hear a sermon. You can receive truth. Uh, and, and so you can get into certain rooms that you need to as in your Christian life. But as Dr. Evans says, what you and I must understand, however, is that the key to the Christian life for the church is Jesus Christ. He's the master key for your home and for your communities. It is, in fact, Jesus Christ as Lord and master, not just as Savior, but his Lord and master. He says the ability to live victoriously and advance God's kingdom agenda on earth comes through this unique master key that we call the Lordship of Christ. Everybody has been talking now for however many days, almost two weeks about how to solve problems like we saw happen in Florida at the school where 17 people lost their lives. And there's, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. And, and it, you can get political about it or you can stay out of the political arena, but still everybody's got an opinion about it. I personally believe that only as the Lordship of Jesus Christ is reflected through you individually and, and through his people corporately will the world experience the rule of God as the creator intended for it to be. You see, I believe knowing God personally through a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, is the answer to all those kind of problems. In fact, God is the answer, but the only way you're going to know God is through the Lordship of Christ. What did Jesus say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me, Jesus said. Jesus is the master key that you need to have. For you to get where you need to be and where you need to go. And through Christ, you enter into that covenant relationship with God. Now, again, we're talking about covenants. And, and one of the truths that I want you to hang on to today, and, and, and we, we got to understand this, is like being able to open your tool bag and know what tool to get and know how to use it. You and I need to understand in the Christian environment that we're in that, that God's kingdom functions around covenants. Around covenants. And, and God is the one who establishes covenants with his people. And so covenants are obviously very, very important to God. They're sacred. 
And when it comes to the way that God governs his kingdom, the one word that stands out for me as the central theme of of understanding that is this word covenant. God administers his, his kingdom through covenants, through his covenant. Now, my guess is that everybody in this room this morning is um, a citizen of the United States. Uh, we may have some aliens in here, but <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. We're all citizens of the United States, and because of that, I think we, we live and we function under a, a covenant document that we call the Constitution. So the Constitution is, in effect, an an umbrella document that covers the operation of the kingdom that we call the United States of America. And this particular Constitution is a unique document. It's a unique document from all the other historical documents in that it declares much about the way of of a, a proclamation of freedom. You've heard them and I've heard them. We've heard people either saying or screaming, I know my rights. I know my rights. And when you hear that, what they're doing is they're appealing to their constitutional rights that are afforded us under the Constitution and in particular, the amendments attached to the Constitution. You see, these amendments that are attached to the Constitution, they they clearly declare the rights that we have, the privileges and the authority that we have here in America because we're an American citizen. Well, again, let's shift gears and let's think about that, but let's also think from a spiritual perspective. If, If you're a Christian, you need to understand that you are a part of another kingdom. A kingdom not of this world. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And that's a a more important kingdom to be a part of. Amen? He says, you know, being a citizen of God's kingdom, you also have covenant rights and you have privileges and you have authority. But, you know, if you don't know what those rights are, or if you don't know how to exercise those rights, then you can be illegitimately oppressed simply because you're not operating by the instructions or functioning under the umbrella of of God's covenant. I said to you last week that the Bible clearly tells us that covenants are divinely created bonds. If you're a true believer, you, you were situated securely within that covenant because of the divinely created bond that comes with it. You've entered into a spiritual, uh, a binding relationship between God and you, inclusive of certain agreements and conditions and benefits and responsibilities and even effects. We, we, we got to somehow get a hold of this. As, as we enter into these covenants, we need to understand that God's power his provisions, his protection, his authority, they all come to us under his covenant umbrella. Okay? Don't miss that. Because a lot of us aren't living under the umbrella. Keep also in mind that covenants are far, far more than than just a contract. They're a different animal than, than a contract. In a biblical covenant, you do far more than just sign on the dotted line. Instead, you enter into an intimate relationship with another person or other people that are a part of that covenant. 
In God's way of doing things, his covenants are always predicated upon a relationship. Now, folks, that's not true with a contract. You can go to a car dealership and you can buy a car and know nothing about the, buy, the guy that you buy it from. In fact, I saw the other day, you can buy a car now and not even talk to a, 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 a dealership or a person or car salesman, right? You can do that. You can bypass them. You can buy a home and know nothing about the person you're buying it from. I, I remember when Joyce and I bought our property 17 years ago, I only met the man that I bought the land from the day that we signed the deal and then only for about 15 minutes. Never seen him, didn't see him before, haven't seen him since. You can do that. You can sign a business deal because it is a good thing to do. Makes sense, but have absolutely no affiliation or relationship with the other party beyond the deal that you make. But that's not true with a covenant. And everything spiritual functions in covenants. One of the primary components that distinguish a covenant from a contract is the reality that you've entered into a relational agreement. A relational agreement. Now, there are many forms of that, but one that I think is most prevalent is the Christian marriage. You know, a Christian marriage is, is, is a covenant that is literally a binding relationship. It's far more than a social contract. Uh, the world didn't think up marriage. God did. He planned it. He prepared it. He even told us how to do it. David Ochberger said that the Christian marriage is a covenant made under God and in the presence of fellow members of the Christian family, such a pledge endures not because of the force of law or the fear of its sanctions, but because an unconditional covenant has been made. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100-100. You, you have to be willing to give 100% when your mate can't give anything to that relationship. If you enter it that way, there's a chance you'll survive. If you don't enter it that way, if it's, you think it's 50-50, I'll do my part. If you do your part, you're never going to get off the ground. And that's what the problem is today. We don't treat marriage understanding that it is a covenant relationship under God. We need to go back and rethink things. He says a covenant more, it's a covenant more solemn, more binding, more permanent than any legal contract. Not only is a covenant a binding relationship, but it is also a relationship of blessing. Whenever God enters into a covenant relationship with you, his intent is always for your good. He wants to bless you and he wants to prosper you. Deuteronomy 29 verse 9 says, Therefore obey the terms of this covenant so that you will what? Prosper in everything you do. Covenants, God considers covenants to be very serious agreements, so much so that he inaugurated them with his son's blood. Uh, he, he means to make them uh, a statement about a significant relationship that has been instated under his rule. One of the things that has come 
fresh to my mind this week about covenants is that as you and I become a part of the kingdom of God, we, we are sealed with nothing less than the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ into that covenant relationship. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, at what the writer says. He says, God gives peace. He raises our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Now Jesus is like a great shepherd whose blood was used to make God's eternal agreement with his flock. I pray that God will make you ready to obey him and and that you will always be, be eager to do right. May Jesus help you do what pleases God. To Jesus Christ be glory forever and ever. Amen. Pleasing God is important, but it's not easy, is it? You know, we've got an enemy that just looks for a way to get his foot in the door. And and every day, our goal should be to please God. And we can because we have the Spirit of God living in us, and I think The way to please God is to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. But too often our flesh gets the better of us. The devil knows how to trap us. So that instead of pleasing God, we're pleasing self. Too often we focus on what pleases our own agenda We fail to please the Lord because when we try so often, we try to do it in the flesh. That's why he's praised, may Jesus help you do what pleases God. The absolute best way to please God, I think, is to take seriously the the, the covenant relationship that he's made possible for us. Why? Because, well, it's, it's because God's provision, don't miss this, is his provision, his protection, his promises, His preferred will, they all flow through that covenant that we have with him. It all flows through the covenant. But if you're not aware of that truth or you're not operating in that covenant, then there's no way to exercise the spiritual authority that you need or that you possess. Again, Dr. Evans says this. Hang on to this. One of the reasons that the devil may be winning so much in your life in the area of spiritual warfare is if you are not functioning in concert with his covenant, then you are not benefiting from the authority of his kingdom. You have it, but you're not using it. He said, if you will grab the principles of the covenant and apply them then to your life, thus operating under God's kingdom authority, then you will see things Change for good for you. Instead of being crushed by all the the cares of the world, the, 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 the mess, the junk that we deal with almost every day, instead of being crushed by that load of all this worldly garbage, why not walk on it? Why not rise above it? Guys, you can't. He's made it possible. The victory over the storms that you're dealing with is yours if you'll do it God's way. Amen?
You keep doing it the way you're doing it and you're going to keep having mess. I want you to look with me at what God told Moses. He told them, he told Moses something that was very important. And it concerned the children of Israel, God's people. Look with me at Exodus chapter 19 verse 5. He said, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the nations of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me and you will be a kingdom of priests, my holy nation. Give this message to my people. Do you notice that he starts off with the word if? I circle that in my Bible. If. If you will obey me. This is a conditional statement. There is nothing automatic about this. It requires your obedience. And you need to understand that God blesses obedience. He says, when you obey, you will be my special people and you will be set apart for my purpose. The word in the Hebrew for holy means literally to set apart, to make unique among others, to be uniquely separated. And I, I just ask you this question. Is it your heart's desire to be uniquely set apart as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is, is that what you got up intending to do this morning? Because if you didn't intend to do that, the chances of it happening is slim to none. We have to be intentional about how we want to be in position with God. It's not just going to flow together in the morning. You have to want it. And you have to do what's necessary to get there. We were saved to be in relationship and also to be in harmony and to be uniquely set apart for God. We were saved for that. And we can be when we choose to function under the umbrella of his covenant agreement. Again, an author said, making God's covenant one of the primary focal points and foundations of your personal spiritual growth will thrust you further and faster into a deep abiding and productive life as a child of the king. Do we want victory in our lives? Well, God's give us a formula. How do we get it? Well, let's look at how the New Testament covenant came to us. Look with me at Matthew 26, beginning in verse 26. I'll let you turn there. If you don't have notes. Matthew writes as they were eating. Obviously, this is that last night Jesus was with his disciples, the night of his arrest. As they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread. I think it was some unleavened bread that was like a wafer. And he asked God to bless, he asked God's blessings on it. And then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, take it and eat it for this is my body. It was symbolic of his body. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks to God for it and he gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood which seals the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out to forgive the sins of many. Mark my word, I will not drink the fruit of the vine again until the day that I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And then they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives 
Let's think about some of the benefits that come from this covenant. Number one, through the blood of the covenant, God establishes this covenant with you. With you as an individual. Each of you. Notice Jesus says to them, each of you drink from it. I can't drink from it for you. And you can't drink from it for me. We each have to participate. It is a personal decision. He says, my blood has been shed for your benefit. It has the power to change your wicked heart. And you want to know what the problem was at that school down in in Florida? It was not a gun. It was a heart. Nobody wants to talk about the heart. We want to point fingers at everything else, but it's a wicked heart that needs to be changed. And you don't wait till he gets 19 to change it. You have to drink from it. You have to trust Christ and take him as your Lord and Savior. God's covenant's not automatic, but the beautiful thing is it's available to anybody and everybody. His precious blood also seals his covenant with you. It is the blood of Christ that seals our covenant relationship with God and we get eternal life. We're sealed under the day of redemption, praise God. Through the blood of Christ, this new covenant makes it possible for you to be forgiven. Do you even understand what that means? To know that when you stand before God one day, you're not going to have to give an account for what you have done as far as a sinner. Jesus took that to the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Notice that he says his blood was poured out to forgive the sins of many, of many. Notice that. I personally believe that the shed blood of Jesus Christ has the effectual power to clean and forgive every sin that's ever been committed by mankind. It is sufficient. It is all sufficient. It is completely capable and and able That's why Jesus said on the cross, it's finished. But folks, not every human being is going to be forgiven and saved because not everybody's going to buy into the covenant. Some of you are not going to make it. A lot of people are not going to make it. Only those who trust Jesus Christ and take him into their heart as Lord and Savior and come under his covenant agreement. One of the things I love about Billy Graham, and if you've ever heard him, you know he always says this at the end of his message. He always says, I want you to know God loves you. 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 You may have come from an environment where there was no love. But when you enter into that covenant relationship with God, You will never be without love again. It seals us and forgives us for all eternity. There's something else that that I want to just kind of think about and focus on. We've been talking about the covenant aspect that, that takes care of us in the future. But let's think about the covenant aspect that takes care of us in the here and now. Because I, I think we need to understand this. I, I'm not one of those health and wealth name it and claim it preachers. You know, I'm, I'm not. Everything's not going to be rosy when you become a Christian. But I'm telling you that the God that lives in me is bigger than any problem that I'll ever have. 
And if you'll learn to walk with him and learn to do it his way, there will, you will never be overwhelmed. Never. Go back with me and let's look at Deuteronomy 29 again. This is, this is an interesting passage. It, it doesn't apply to our covenant today in that we're in this covenant, but it, it, it tells us how the covenants work. It says, these are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites while they were in the land of Moab. In addition to the covenant he had made with them at Mount Sinai, Moses summoned all the Israelites, God's people, and he said to them, you, you have seen with your own eyes everything that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and his whole country, all the great tests of strength, the miraculous signs, and the amazing wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you minds that understand, nor eyes that see, nor ears that hear. There's a whole sermon right there. For 40 years I led you through the wilderness, and yet your clothes and sandals did not wear out. Oh, that ought to have been a clue, clue right there. He said, you had no bread or wine or other strong drinks, but he gave you food so you would know that he is the Lord your God. He gave you what you needed every day. He was never late. And when, he came, when we came here, King Sion of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan uh, came out to fight against us, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it to the tribes of Reuben and Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh as their inheritance. But verse 9, we go right back to that verse. Therefore, obey the terms of this covenant so that you will prosper in everything you do. I want you to understand that when you enter into a covenant, a covenant can prosper you or it can curse you. Both are a part of the covenant. There are consequences. They can produce progress in your life. Moving forward and enjoying the blessings of God in your life are clearly connected to covenant keeping. Covenant keeping is all about obedience. And so here's a spiritual truth to hang your hat on. Only as you operate in and under God's covenant will you receive the flowing blessings of God's power and, and protection and provision and positional authority. You see, covenant positioning is, is absolute key for you to partake in the kingdom privileges that God has in store for you. And we need to understand that. Let, let me see if I can paint for you a visual. And let, let's just start with a single word, covering. Think about the word covering. Covering. Let's expand that thought and say that if and when you operate under God's covenant, then and only then are you coming and operating under his covering. Some of you saw me bring an umbrella in here this morning. I don't think it's going to rain today. And yet for some of you, it's raining right now. Your life is, is full of rain been raining a lot and, and I know if you're like me when I know it's going to rain one of the things I do when I go to my truck I always look to see if my umbrella is in my truck I got a nice umbrella here you want to buy it we'll put it in the building fund I'm kidding umbrellas are important 
if it's raining, when I go to get out of my truck, what I do is I take my umbrella and I undo the straps and I, I pop it up over my head and I step out of my truck. That way I don't get wet. Makes sense, doesn't it? Listen, I can't stop the rain. And neither can you. None of us have authority over the rain. We have absolutely no authority whatsoever to make it stop raining. I have people all the time say, don't you need to talk to the man upstairs about all this rain? I have no authority over the rain. God's going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Sometimes we need to be in the rain. When I open up my umbrella, it doesn't stop the clouds from raining. Did you hear that? When I open up my umbrella, it doesn't stop the clouds from raining, does it? It keeps right on raining. Even though I open up my umbrella, it doesn't stop the rain, but it stops me from getting wet. It doesn't change what's happening around my life, but it does change what happens to me. When you trust Christ and you make things right between you and him through Christ... And you take him as your Lord and Savior. He literally gives you a spiritual umbrella. In other words, he covers you with his new covenant. That he makes possible through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come under that covenant covering. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stop the rain. Now I know some of you. And and, and I'm counting on this. I'm almost betting on this. Some of you are so superstitious, you're praying, oh, I hope that my pastor doesn't open that umbrella in this building. Well, I just want you to know I am not superstitious. My granny would have a fit. There's never been a more superstitious woman than my granny. If a black cat ran across in front of her, if she couldn't run over it, she'd turn around and drive 50 miles out of her way to get where she needed to go. We have spiritual umbrellas when we come under God's covenant. Some of you don't possess an umbrella, a spiritual umbrella. You don't have one. Why? Because you don't have Christ in your heart. You get this when you make him Lord of your life. Are you hearing me? I'm not just picking on you. You're going to find that out in just a minute. You don't have what you don't have. You don't know what you don't know. I'm here to tell you that if you will trust Jesus today, you'll come under his covering where you can be protected and and provided for and, and, and receive the promises that he gives to you. You can know his preferred will for your life. I'm also here to tell you that just because you've done that doesn't mean that you're benefiting from the covering. Because you want to know why? There's a lot of us Christians that live with this in the closet. And we don't use it. We don't take it with us. We're living our life without God, even though we claim to know him. Some of us, we've we've got it and it's open, but we're living like this. 
or we lay it down. I was taught this a long time ago that the closer I can get to the center of God's will and the closer I can get to God, the less the world reigns on my life. And the same thing's true for you. This is the way it works. If you get up in the morning and you'll spend your time with God, you'll, you'll put yourself in his word, you'll let the word affect you. If you'll spend time in prayer and you'll commit yourself to walk that day in the spirit of God and not in the flesh, then you can be under God's covering through the day. It may be raining and storming outside in the world, but you're not affected. Why? Because you're under the covering. But if you get up in the morning and you leave this booger in your closet, God help you. You're on your own. That was one of the things I was taught. When you get outside from that covering, you are on your own. And this world will chew you up, spit you out, and have a party doing it and laugh all the time. But if you'll just pick up Jesus and live with him and live under his covenant blessings, then some of the mess that you're dealing with will go away. Or at least you'll be able to handle it. Does that make any sense? Well, let's do it. Let's stop doing things the way the world does it. We don't have to be of the world. We're not intended to be of the world. We're, we're, we're left here to be in the world, but not of the world. And so whatever the world's doing out there, all the mess and garbage that they're doing, let's leave that out there. Don't drag it to church, will you? You know what I mean. Let's pray. Father, I am humbled that you would even allow me to know you. And when I say I'm humbled, I, I, I don't even think that's an adequate word. God, there's nothing about Randy that deserves to, to even come a million miles from you. I have lived my life like everybody else, and I have done my share of sin, and I have certainly been displeasing to you in many, many ways and many, many days. Lord, I have apologized, and I continue to apologize. And I continue, Lord, not just to walk into your presence, but to crawl into your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God of grace and mercy, full of compassion. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know our weaknesses. You know our strengths. You made us. You know the storms of life that we're dealing with. And you know the circumstances that just overwhelm us. And you know how, Lord, that, that we're so tempted by the things that the devil has put out in front of us that so often we get distracted from doing the things that you've called us to do. God forgive us. 
God, help us to take this principle of covenant relationship and the covering of that that relationship seriously. Help us, Lord, to live that out. It's not just a principle on paper, but it's it's a promise that has been given for us to to live out every day of our life. And, Lord, so today, God, please... For those of us, those who have heard it for the first time, for those that have just heard what they've heard before, God, help us to start being serious about it. God, our, our own walk, our own life demands it. Our families, if we're going to have uh, fruitful, healthy families, it, it demands that we take serious this covenant relationship. If our community is going to be healthy, if our church is going to be healthy, if our nation is going to be healthy, we have to take serious covenant relationships with you. God, forgive us for where we failed you. Help us, Lord, to come into your presence this morning seeking God to draw as close to you as we possibly can, so close that we need, leave no room for the enemy to get between us. Draw us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to do whatever we need to do, confess, repent, Get saved, whatever it is today, to come under your covering. Please, Lord, don't let us rest in our spirit. Don't stop convicting us until we're where we need to be positionally with you. Please, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you for being here this morning, Lord. In spite of what the world is saying and doing, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Lord, that you are everything we need and that there's not a problem we'll ever have or face that'll overwhelm you. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You're all-seeing. You're executing your plan. And one of these days, just like Dr. Graham is now in your presence, Lord, one day we'll all be there. All of us who have faith in you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Please have your way right now, Lord, I pray in all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand? Will you stand and will you draw close to God? Will you do that? I pray that you will. I pray you will. You come.